Okay, now take a deep breath. No, really, I can see you. Take a deep breath. Hold it for a second. We're going into Psalm Songs, and it starts right now. And I'm excited about this song and the way it played out this morning. And I want you to listen to every single little word because it applies to Psalm 116. And if you know these words and can keep up with them, sing as loud and as hard as you possibly can.
Yeah. What about that, huh? What about that team get up here and I say, listen, I want to do a message from Psalm 16. And she says, listen, I got this song from Christina Aguilera. I said, who's that? Does she sing country music? They say, no. It's like, Pastor Joe, they, they didn't stop making music back in the 70s. They keep making it, okay? It's like, okay, I got it. And then she came up here and tore it up. I was listening to it this morning um, when they were doing the run-through, and it was just like, wow. But listen to these words. Listen to these words, because this is going to be the focus of Psalm 116. You were there by my side, always down for the ride, but your joy ride just came down in flames because you, you, uh, your greed sold me out in um, shame. After all the stealing and cheating, you probably think that I hold resentment for you, but uh-uh, oh no, you're wrong because if it wasn't for all that you tried to do, I wouldn't know just how capable I am to pull through. So I want to say thank you because it makes me that much stronger, makes me work a little bit harder, makes me that much wiser. Thanks for making me a fighter. That's the point of what David is saying in Psalm 116, and I love it. And and listen to Christine Aguilera sing. It's like, you're not going to keep me down. It's not going to happen. Can you relate to that song? Can you relate to that? Wow. Yeah. Or, Or is it more of a, oh, man, I wish I could be there today. What does that look like when it's lived out in the flesh? What does it look like when somebody takes Psalm 116, and we're going to get to Psalm 116, and takes this song, especially that chorus, and actually decides to live it out? It looks like this. This is exactly what it looks like. I've been spending all this time trying to, like, earn my place in the world and earn my place as a child of God, and I've been trying really hard to be perfect, and I fell on my face. And uh, that process led to surrendering. I hit a wall, personally. We hit a wall in our marriage. Um, Things got kind of bad and hard. I was trying to be the the perfect wife, I guess maybe on the outside. Um, And even like as far as my feelings go, like I was trying to portray that I always felt a certain way um, to the point where I was like shoving normal human feelings down and not allowing myself to be a human being really. That sounds drastic, but I was pretty unhealthy and I thought I wasn't, like I thought I was okay. (laughs) And then we hit all these walls and uh, realized that I needed to give up. Um, so it was really tough. (laughs) It was really, really tough. But like through those hard times, we were forced to have hard conversations in our marriage. And I was also forced to face myself. So I had to have heart to hearts with God about myself. I had to have heart to hearts with my husband and with God about our marriage. And I now feel like I'm being who I really am. So the whole summer of 2020, I was actually unemployed because of the situation of the pandemic. So I was able to just sit in the word. Um, And there were so many moments of just feeling like divine grace and peace. 
now, now that we've gotten through the valley, um, on a daily basis, it's the letting go of control from like the most simple things to how I think I should perform at work to more complex things like how I think my marriage should look. Because how I think things should be isn't necessarily the truth of what God wants them to be. It's daily letting go of little things here and there throughout the day. And sometimes I do well at that and I'm diligent at that and sometimes I have to be reminded and God has to kind of give me a little nudge. <laughs> And so God gives us those little nudges and God encourages us. Listen, God wants you to be the best you that you can be, but it's not okay to say, well, this is just who I am and that's tough because here's the deal. As we interact with God, he wants to change us from glory to glory to glory. He wants to continue to move us in, in a path that makes us more like him. So I want you to be the best person you can be, but if you're mean, I don't want you to be meaner. I want you to, to stop and say, how do I become more like God? And there's times in our lives when we have to wrestle with that and say, what does it mean? More than anything, um, I hope you heard her say, listen, I felt like I had let the world knock me down so much so that I was afraid to just be me. And suddenly the Lord put me in a circumstance where I finally had to decide I can only be me and I don't need to stay down. I need to get back up, and that's the goal. I love the way that uh, um, the psalmist said it. Um, most uh, people will believe that, that David wrote Psalm 116, so if you want to open up a Bible or open up your app or watch up here on the screen, I want to read, I want to tie this together because David is going through something very, very similar or has been through something very, very similar, and if you read like Psalm 55 and some of the other ones, David has been in some tough places where he's been kicked, he's been knocked down, he's been abused, he's been betrayed, he's been, I mean, his son, his father-in-law, all of these people have come against him at some point. And, and, and he's been hiding in caves. He's been doing all kinds of things. But in this particular one, here he is, and he's, he's sharing with the Lord. He said, I love the Lord, for he heard my voice. He heard my cry for mercy. And this psalm opens up with why he loves the Lord. Why? He's saying this prayer, and he's telling you why. I love the Lord, for he heard my voice. God hears us when we cry for mercy. God hears us when we cry with, with, with truthfulness and, 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 and say, Lord, I can't do it anymore. Uh, I'm tired of pretending. He goes on to say, because he turned his ear to me, I will call on him as long as I live. The, look, look, look at where his despair is. He says, the cords of death entangled me. The anguish of the grave came upon me. I was overcome by trouble and sorrow. Then I called on the name of the Lord. O oh Lord, save me. And the Lord is gracious and righteous. Our God is full of compassion. The Lord protects the simple-hearted. When I was in great need, he saved me. Be at rest once more, O my soul, for the Lord has been good to you. For you, O Lord, have delivered my soul from death, my feet from tear, or my eyes from tears, my feet from stumbling, that I may walk before the Lord in the land of the living. I believed, and therefore I said, I am greatly afflicted. And in my dismay, I said, All men are liars. 
<clears throat> but how can I repay the Lord for all his goodness to me? I will lift up the cup of salvation and call on the name of the Lord, and I will fulfill my vows to the Lord in the presence of all of his people. I will come in the presence of all of the people, and I will tell you what the Lord has told me to tell you. I will tell you what the Lord is saying to me, because there was a time in my life when I was in despair. I was depressed. I was defeated. I was down. I was hiding. I thought God had given up on me. Have you ever been there? Does any of this begin to sound familiar when you're like, well, then where is God? Why isn't he paying attention to me? Listen, I have times like that in my own life. In my own relationship to God, I, I sometimes am sitting in my office or sitting at home or sitting outside or driving in the car and I'm, and I'm just crying out and saying, God, where are you? When are you going to do the things you used to do with the people of old? When do we get to see you move? <clears throat> and I cry out to God. And then like David, I begin to remember. I love that he says in verse 3, the cords of death entangled me. The anguish of the grave came over me. I was overcome by distress and sorrow. And in one commentary that I was reading, it says, life had become like hell. That's the reference here in the original language. God, do you understand in the, everything that I'm going through, through, life has become like hell. On earth, in my life, right here, the devil's having like free reign. But he said, then I called on the name of the Lord. Lord, save me, because God has promised that he will always be God. He's promised that he will always do that. And so he tells his soul to return to your rest and remember that the Lord's been good to you. It's a picture of a person that's discouraged, depressed, defeated, or dejected. I mean, this is the David that killed the giant. He knocked him down with a stone. And as I was in a conversation with somebody, it didn't stop there. You need to understand that the fight didn't stop there. He knocked him down with a stone. And then the scripture says, and he pulled out his sword and cut his head off his body. And then he put his head in a sack, literally, and took it back to Jerusalem. That's nasty. That's just gross and nasty. Okay, but that's what he did. You say, well, how do we know that Goliath was really dead? Well, because his body stayed in the Valley of Elah, but his head went to Jerusalem and it's hard to stay connected even to yourself over a long distance, let alone your friends. But when your head, it's like, yeah, he was dead. What does this guy, I mean, this, he got the, the king's daughter. He and his family didn't ever have to pay taxes again. Oh, Lord, is there anything that I can do on this earth right now that will get the government to stop taxing me? I would love to, I, I would run down in the valley just to take a shot at it. I really would. If I could stop the taxation that's taking place on me personally right now, <clears throat> you and us, man, I would, I would run down in that valley. And David went down there and his, fa his family and him didn't have to pay taxes. What does he have to, to feel discouraged and dejected and depressed about? Because there are things in our lives, and as somebody near and dear to me likes to always say, feelings are real. Feelings are real. You have to let people have their feelings because feelings are real, at least in the moment. And so David's in a moment. There it is. I mean, I don't, I don't know if you can understand his discouragement, but what about this, man? You went to work, and on your way to the work, you, your work, you stopped at the donut shop. You asked for a Bavarian cream donut. You get to your church office, open it up, and it's vanilla cream. Are you kidding me? 
I have to preach after this. I've got anxiety in my heart. I'm discouraged. I'm, I'm literally depressed. It's like, this is fluffy sugar. It's not puddingy goodness. I have to make a post that how ridiculous these people are. They don't know the difference between these two. And I'm not saying that it was me. I'm saying if it was somebody. <laughs> somebody that maybe came to work today and rolled up to the window and said, I'll have a Bavarian cream. And they said, we don't have any. And I said, somebody bought all the, I mean, somebody said they bought all the Bavarian cream and they said, no, they didn't make any. I don't think I'll ever go back there again. Seriously. What in the world? So I cry out to God. Lord, this is not right. Sugar cream, but I asked for Bavarian cream. Or maybe on your day off, you ran over a small nail and now you're fixing a flat on your favorite car instead of cruising in the sunshine with the top down. And so you cry out to God, it's not fair, I have a flat! And so, maybe likely it's a lot more serious than that. Maybe you feel like you're living a catastrophe instead of a success. You're feeling that something made you feel like you're floundering instead of flourishing, or maybe you came home to the darkness rather than safety. Maybe you walked in the door and your world got turned upside down by somebody saying, I don't want to be with you anymore. In any case, it's something that leaves you thinking, God, why should I even try? Why should I try at work? Why should I try at parenting? Why should I try at spousing? Why should I try, God? Nothing's working. Nothing's doing what I want it to do. You ever been there? You're crying out to God. It can be something great, big, and huge, and heavy, or to the rest of us, it can feel like just a little straw, and we're thinking, man, why are you getting so wound up about that? And here's the deal. You put enough straws on top of somebody, and it will begin to suffocate them because they'll be at the bottom of the straw pile, and they can't breathe, and the air can't get in. And it's not that there's any one straw that's so overwhelming that they can't handle it. It's just that if you... If you Give them enough straws, it's too much. It's not so much that you got a little paper cut. I got a paper cut the other day. It's not so much that you got a paper cut, but if you get a thousand paper cuts, you'll bleed out. See? But they're just little paper cuts. What are you whining about? Listen, your feelings are real. Sometimes it can be huge, sometimes it can be just a little straw that piles up and knocks you off your game. The natural response to us being desperate is fight or flight. I'm told. When we get to that place where we're desperate and it's like we're scared and the fear is, we just want to stand up and run away. And I see David in this situation. The natural response to be depressed, being depressed is to hide or to fake it. To pretend so that people won't know because you don't want to tell them. And so you Stand up and pretend to be brave or you go home and pull the covers over your head and start binging Netflix or binging food or binging woe is me. And it starts to change our life. The natural response to being discouraged is to try harder or give up altogether. Keep doing the same thing. Just do it more. Get up earlier. Start sooner. Do the things you're discouraged. It's not working. It's not happening. You've tried so hard, so I should just do the exact same thing, but do it more. And pretty soon it's killing you. 
It's exhausting you. It's overwhelming you. And Dave Ramsey will tell you and I both that the definition of insanity is to keep doing the same thing but expect different results. And we don't realize that the point is to get back up but to do something different. Start moving in a bit of a different direction. When life or the devil or some sin or some circumstance or even a wrong belief about yourself begins to threaten to hide the light of a full life, where do you go? Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and have it to its fullest. When the world around you, the enemy, the circumstances, your own choices, whatever it is, begins to hide that life that God wants you to have, where do you go? What is your response when you feel knocked down? Because that's that's really what I'm thinking about. When I'm reading Psalm um, 116 and I'm feeling David say, wow, I got knocked off my feet right onto my tuchus. I got overwhelmed. I can't believe, but I remember God. And that's where he goes. When I wrote this Psalm the first time, I, well, I'll get to some of those scriptures too, but it, it had a different flavor to it. But right now it's like I, Psalm 77. This is David. This is his go-to. I remembered you, God. I remembered you. I remembered you and I groaned, I meditated, my spirit grew faint. See, he's still depressed, um, but I was still hanging on to the things I remember about my relationship. You kept closing my, uh, kept my eyes from closing. You kept me awake, God. You kept me in the conversation. I was too troubled to speak, and so I thought about the former days and the years long ago, and I remembered my songs in the night. Do you have a song in the night? Do you have a song Do you have a song that when it just feels overwhelming, you just stop and you sit down and you just say, God, I don't know how life got like this, but I'm just going to sit here and sing the song. I I, I do. I'm not going to sing it for you, but I I do. I do. Well, I'm going to sing it for you. Forgive me, Lord. It's been a hard day, Lord, and I don't think I can go on anymore. I'm not proud of where I've been, Lord, and I'm ashamed to know you're aware of my sin. But I've been away so long, and the weight of sin is so strong, and the dark has been so long, I want to be with you. That's my song. When David says, I remember my songs in the night, that's where I go when the world starts getting dark for me. That's what I hang on to. When you get knocked down, the point is don't stay down. Don't stay down. Your natural human inclination is not to get up. Life's not fair. Life's not good. Who cares? Where's God? Just lay on the floor and wait. And I don't know what we're... But guess what? When we do that, the devil wins. Think about the prodigal son. His own sin knocked him down. Think about Saul of Tarsus. His ignorance knocked him down. Think about Samson. His own sin knocked him down. Think about Joseph. A close family member knocked him down, threw him in a well, and sold him. Man, the people had a a reason to be dejected or depressed or defeated. That's it. Because we all get knocked down sooner or later. Man, you don't understand. I put in for that promotion. You don't understand. I put in resume after resume after resume. I know, I know. But it's always the next resume that gets the job. 
And when we stay knocked down and give up and say, why try? I'm going to tell you why. Because life changes with the next one that gets accepted. But you always have to believe in the next one. And that next one is when you stand up. It's when you get up off the ground. Whether it's the enemy, a situation, or a circumstance that knocks you down, understand this. God is not caught off guard. I had the opportunity to pour into somebody's life the other day, and we were sitting there talking. And I said, the one thing you always get to remember is that God lives outside of your concept of time. And I've said it before, but because God created time, he exists in it, but outside of it. Let that simmer for a little bit. But what that means is he's always seeing your birth and he's always seeing your funeral. He's always seeing you come into the world. He's always welcoming you into heaven. He can see both of those moments and every day in between. So here's the deal. When you feel defeated, God has already been there with you for so long that you can trust him that he has already been making arrangements. Don't stay down. Get back up because you don't know what he's doing. But he hasn't left you or forsaken you. He's there near you. The psalmist says that the first thing that we do when we're knocked down is we do an honest assessment of the situation. And I believe that. That's where I start. That's where my song in the night is. What happened? What happened? God, what happened? Back up. Deep, deep, deep. Back it up. Sit down. What just happened? Number two, what part do I play in the matter? 100% of the time, I play a part. 100%. Not 95%. Not, well, it's 60% their fault, 40%. 100% of the time, I played a part in whatever happened somehow, some way. But we don't want it to be our fault. And then the last thing I need to know when I'm making an assessment is, how bad is the damage? How bad is the damage? Because that's going to determine the plan that I formulate. Do an assessment. How difficult is the damage. I love what David says in this very situation. In Psalm 139, he says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. God, I'm giving you permission. I need to come to you, Father. Like Will Wood said last, last week, I'm coming home to God, and, and God is already planning the party, and, and I'm trying to say, God, see if there's something that I've done. See, and he's putting his arms around me, and he's not excusing my sin. He's paid for my sin. So he's welcoming me back home. But David is saying, I'm giving you permission to sit me down and have a talk with me. Am I toxic? Am I causing the problem over and over again? Am I difficult? Um, did I take something that wasn't mine? Did I do something? Whatever it might be, God, see if the... Now listen, this isn't about being a doormat. This isn't about, well, we're Christian people, so just lay down and let the people just walk over you. and walk. That, that, That's not even biblical. I mean, I love you guys, but that's not biblical. I don't know how many times the scripture says somebody came to Jesus and said, you know what you just said offended us. And I'm not saying Christian people are supposed to go through the world offending people. I'm just saying when you stand up for what's right, it's going to offend people. 
It, it, it just is, okay? But I'm also here to tell you that it's not my goal to do that, but if somebody asks me inside of the Christian church, what about this, I'm going to say, I'm sorry, no. This is what the Bible says about what the Bible says. Well, that offends me. Well, I'm sorry. I, I don't get to rewrite it just because you happen to be offended, and all that means is you're just not getting the candy bar that you want. That's all that means. And it's like it breaks my heart. But that's where we are. And so David says this is how it is. We've got to be honest, and the Scripture will say be gentle but firm. The second thing is do an honest assessment, but get back up. Get back up. Just wherever you are, get back up. Get back up. God, I can't believe I fell in that sin again. Okay, get back up. You don't have to go slay dragons, drip yourself in blood, cut yourself a couple of times. You don't have to do all that to prove to God you're serious this time. But you do have to get back up. I love the Robin Hood movie. You know which one I'm headed for, right? I love the Robin Hood movie. That he unwinds the, the, the wire, the silver wire that's on the hilt of a sword that he happens to have in his hand. And on the hilt of the sword it says, rise and rise again till lambs become lions. You know that's a real thing. That's a real thing. I googled it. It's a little more complicated than that, but that you can shrink it down to where this verse and this verse put together says, rise and rise again till lambs become lions. In the Latin it says, Sergei et resergei dum agni leones fiant. Rise and rise again until lambs become lions. You say, yeah, I know, but that's, you know, Hollywood. Okay, let's do it with, with King Solomon. Let's do it biblically. For the righteous fall seven times, though the righteous fall seven times, they rise again. But the wicked stumble when calamity strikes. They run. They leave. They throw up their hands and give up. And they say, no more. Look at the Lord's words to Joshua and know that Israel has sinned. Men have died. They tried to attack a town called Ai. And um, because of what happened in uh, Jericho and the sin that was covered up and stuff like that by one guy, um, 36, I think it's 36 soldiers died. And, and they consider that a massive number of people dying. And it is, it is, okay. But um, Joshua goes back and he just throws himself down and does a Moses. God, I, you know, how can this happen? Oh, my word, come on, you told us to do this. And God says, listen, you've got sin in the camp. Um, but Joshua is laying down on his face. And I love that God comes to him and says, stand up! What are you doing down there? And I don't think he's mad at Joshua. I think he's saying, Joshua, you're not going down. Why are you on your face? You're not going that way. Come with me. Come on, Joshua. Just come sit and ask me what happened. I'll tell you. You don't have to throw yourself down and lay on the ground and waller around and, and just stay there. Get back up. Stand up. What are you doing down on your face? Listen to that. That's your God. That's your God saying, don't be beat up. That's your God saying, I'm right here for you. That's your God saying, I know you don't understand what's going on, but you can trust me. You can. I live outside of your concept of time. We've been through this a million times. I've seen it over and over and over again. Trust the Lord, but get back up. Until you get back up, nothing happens. What does it mean for me to get back up? It means 
Don't be beat up by the circumstance. Yeah, but I put in my, my application and my resume, and I know this job's for me. And man, I, I, the Lord said to put my job application in, so I know he wants me to have that job. And, and, and then when I put my application in, I didn't get the job. And it's like, I'm just going to stay right here and keep doing this job and complaining about not having any money. And the Lord's saying, no, i got to get you moving first. Get back up. Don't keep doing the same thing, but get back up. You have got to do that because the last thing I want to share with you is this. Once you get back up, you've got to take a step forward. Move forward. It is absolutely natural, so much so that the Scripture says, as a dog returns to its vomit. Oh, that's nasty. Well, that works in my house. I have four dogs living with me now. We anticipate having about seven puppies on Tuesday morning, and if the accident plays itself out, probably in another month we'll have another six or seven. So I'll have about 20 dogs in the house, and I suspect my, there's a chance my wife may leave me at that point, okay? I can understand her tolerating one, two, three, and then, okay, we'll take the fourth one in. I understand that. But about the time four turns into 20, I can see her saying, you know, there's nothing in our vows that says, and 20 dogs inside the house. No, really, really. But you've got to take a step, and you've got to move forward. And that's what we're going to try to do. We're going to try to get up and take the next step. We can't get up and keep going back to what we're doing. See, the whole dog thing with me, it, it resonates. It's like I've seen that too many times. It's like, eat slower, please and we won't have to put up with this. But, but dogs will go back. They'll fight over another dog's vomit. It's, I know it sounds gross for Sunday mornings, but they will. They'll fight over it. See, it's the natural inclination for you and I when we get back up from a tragedy to back up to what we used to be, to respond the way we used to respond. When God is saying, no, I need you to move forward, move forward, move forward, move forward. The next step for you is forward. We're not going backwards. Don't look that way. Don't go that way. Don't, don't long for Egypt anymore. We're moving forward. Take a step towards reconciliation. What does it mean? Take a step towards rebuilding. What does that mean for you? Take a step towards a dream coming true. Take a step towards healing and health. Take a step towards God. What does that look like for you? Spend some time fasting. Do a three-day fast. If, if, if your doctor allows you to do it, three, do a seven-day fast if your doctor allows you to do it. Do a fast where you just can't eat from sun up to sundown. That's a fast. That's a, that's a thing. In 2,000 years ago, that was a thing. Do a fast where during that period of time when you're supposed to be eating during daylight hours, you spend time crying out to God and just say, God, I need to hear from you. I need to hear from you. God, I'm fasting because I want to hear from you. Spend some time, your lunch breaks, your dinner breaks, your meal breaks, whatever, reading scripture, but take a step toward God. And so I want to ask you, what would that step be for you today? Someone once told me that you're never, there, there's never a time in your relationship to Jesus where you're sitting still. You're either moving forward or you're moving back. There's no standing still at the train station because the train, the, the gospel train's moving forward. It's not sitting still. And if it's moving forward, you're getting further from it. You know what I'm saying? It's just a metaphor, but that was this thing. You're either moving forward or you're moving back. Growth 
or atrophy, but you're not standing still and holding. In the book of Romans, Paul says that we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. And let me just say that I threw that in there, and I believed the Holy Spirit for whatever reason. I was just like preaching right along on my, on my computer, and I was just going to town on it, and all of a sudden, you know, Romans 8 comes into my head. I'm like, really? And it's like, what's the deal? It's like, because God knows what we're going through. And he doesn't always want us to go through what we're going through, but he's seen it. I don't believe that when bad things happen to good people, that's what God wanted for them. But I do believe that in what's referred to as his permissive will, meaning that if he's God, he allowed it. He didn't specifically cause it, but he allowed it. So it's a permissive will. He's going to use it to glorify himself. Jesus is walking along with the disciples and say, Lord, who sinned, this man or him, that, uh, or this man or his parents that he's born blind? And Jesus said, neither. But I'm going to take this. It happened so that I could bring healing to him and glorify God in heaven. And I believe that the Lord is saying, Romans 8, that if we'll put these things in the hand of a living God and let go of our expectations, that we can anticipate that he will do something amazing. I say this all the time about marriage. Lower your expectations from your marriage and raise your anticipations for your marriage because you're going to lower your expectations about what you're going to get, but you're going to, be, you're going to begin to anticipate giving more, and so something's going to change for the better. Stop making it about you. We've got to be willing to take that step and do that thing. And when we look at our hurts and our pains, we stop and we say, God did not want Joe Wood to go through what Joe Wood went through all of his life, his early life. But I was telling something to a young man the other day, and he was telling me the exact same thing back as we sat in the car. If this is what I needed to go through to get to this place where God needed me, then I'm okay with it because God's using it for good, and I've got to hang on to that. Let me wrap this up this way. There was a man born in 1809. Maybe you've heard this before. At, age, at 16, when, in 1816, when he was seven years old, he was forced to work because his family... Um, lost their, their place. Two years later, he lost his mother. Ten years later, he lost his sister. Three years later, he opened his first business and it went bankrupt. Um, one year later, he stood in legislative elections and lost. One year after that, he borrowed money to open another business that went bankrupt. Then he met a wonderful woman. He fell in love with her. They got engaged and she died. He entered a dark period of his life, a very deep depression. He was bedridden for six months, but he gets back up. In that same year, he runs for a legislative election and loses again. In 1840, he presented himself as an elector and lost. In 1842, he met another woman that he would end his life with. They fell in love, got engaged, got married. She gave birth to four children. They lose three of them. One year later, he appeared at Congress and lost. Two years after that, he appeared again at Congress and lost. Uh, five years later, his son died. Now he's got no children. Four years after that, he ran for Senate and lost. Two years after that, he ran for vice president, didn't even have 100 votes. And two years later... He ran for seven Senate and lost, and then two years after that, he became the 16th president of the United States of America, Abraham Lincoln. 
You want to talk about a dude that's a failure. I would not hire this guy. And yet, he kept getting back up. And he kept getting back up. And he kept getting back up. Because down is not the direction that God wants us to go. He wants us to get up. So we put these things that we think are holding us back into God's hands and we ascribe it to the education of heaven and we move forward. And I believe that today the Lord God is saying to you and I, get up. Get up. Stop whining and get up. Your future is in my hands, not in the desperation of your present circumstance. I believe that's what the Lord is saying to you and I today. That your future is in his hands. He already sees it. It's not in the desperate the desperation of your present circumstance. Take a deep breath. Do the next thing. Get up and do the next thing, but don't do the last thing. Don't do the last thing. That just got you there. You've taken a step forward, fallen down on your face. Get back up. Turn to the right a little bit. Ask God where he's leading you. Give him a chance. Some of you are in here and you are sitting in this room and as one of my prayer team members came to me and you're sitting under the crushing weight of anxiety right now you're facing something there is something overwhelming you you're scared to death about something it's it's keeping you from even breathing can we pray for you today if you just almost suffocated because I said that out loud you're the one I'm talking about could you come up here and can I pray for you? Can I do that? I don't mind being wrong. I believe that God still speaks to people, and I think especially he speaks to prayer team people. I believe that. And I believe that we need to pray. And I believe that in praying, there is joy. There is healing. Yeah. I believe we do. I think some of you are in here and you want your life to be different. And I think the Holy Spirit said, Joe, I want you to preach this and we want to launch it with the Christine Aguilera song because there are people in here, some of you have been knocked down and you don't know how to get up and you're scared. Could you come up here? Can we pray for you? You feel like you've been knocked down, held back, not given the promotion and you don't want to try anymore. Can you come up here? You're sitting there. This is how I know it's you. You're sitting there saying, I, I already came forward for prayer for that and it didn't work. Come here. <laughs> get back up. Come here. Can we pray for you? I'm not going to drag it out of you. I just believe. I have seen God do amazing things in my own life, not any time that, or every time that I wanted him to do it, but I've seen God do amazing things in my life. And he's the same God that will do them in yours. I believe that. We just want to pray with you. All right. We're going to go into our closing song. I want to invite you to your feet. Okay? It's not a trick. We're going to sing. Um, so I want to invite you to your feet. I do want you to know that if you're new to the vineyard, during this closing song, you are welcome to move up here and ask if there's something else you need prayer for. You're welcome to come up here and just, you don't have to tell them what it is. Just come up and say, hey, I need prayer. But this is a place where God is saying, listen, the world is kicking you. The devil is kicking you. Your circumstances are kicking you. Sometimes your sin is kicking you. But here's the deal. God is saying, get back up. He's got things in store for you. 
and I believe that for you. Let's have a word of prayer, and then we're going to do that. Father, as we come before you right now, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for this song. We thank you for the beauty of the challenge that the world may have thought evil for us, but you turned it into good because you want to do something amazing, and you'll get the glory, but it will be a blessing and a favor that rests upon us and our children and our families and our finances and our circumstances, whatever that is. And so we just ask and pray right now. Meet us where we are right here. God, we bring this to your throne. In Jesus' name, amen. If you're watching online and you're wondering how can you get prayer, down in the lower right-hand corner, there's a button that says request prayer. Go ahead and click that button. Um, And as you click that button, there's somebody there that's going to interact with you right away, a live person that's going to interact with you right there. And they want to pray with you so that you also can see God transform your life.